The Calgary Flames have officially hired a new general manager. We break down the NHL awards finally. The Florida Panthers' joy ride continues into the Stanley Cup Finals, except we don't know who will join them from the Western Conference, and uh, we will break down what happened in the East and the West during the Final Four, and what a dramatic Final Four it has been. Episode 366 of the Lace Mop Podcast starts right now. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. Bit of a disclaimer, I am currently in a live newsroom setting. If you hear a background noise, that is because it is a live newsroom and you have been warned. And here we go. Starting with our first topic, Brett, uh, the Calgary Flames still looking for a head coach, but uh, they have a new GM and they have hired from within. It's Craig Conroy. Yeah, Craig Conroy, he was also a Flames player as well, so it's like... Yeah, on two stints, by the way, yeah. so he must really like the place. I guess so, old boys club, but yeah, you mentioned already that he was a an assistant general manager as well. I guess I'm just reading his Wikipedia here. Uh, upon his retirement, Con- Conroy accepted a management position with the Flames organization, becoming the special assistant to general manager Jay Feaster. So he was there in the Feaster renaissance. Um, and then on 2014, Conroy was promoted to the position of assistant general manager, reporting to Bradshaw Living. Um, and then on May 23rd, 2023, Conroy was announced as the eighth general manager in Flames history following the departure of Charles Living. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, it, it is, I, as I joke, it's, it is a former boys club, but um, our old boys club. And that's like the rhetoric. And we didn't even talk about the actual old boys club because Keith Jones uh, was hired by the Flyers um, along with Daniel Briere, who is the official GM there. And that happened a couple weeks ago. That's actually an old boys club because Keith Jones has, I mean, other than being a a commentator on NBC NHL, of the NHL when NBC had the NHL rights, um, Keith Jones doesn't really have a ton of experience in the management side of things, but at least for Conroy, it's like, yeah, he used to be a player for the, the team that he's now going to be a manager for, but he has some experience, and it's not like as bad as just thrusting him in to the organization um, uh, like on its own. So so there is something like that, and, and as you mentioned, they still need to hire a new coach um, and all that stuff, but yeah, at the moment, it's it's hard to really judge how good this move will be until we see what he's going to do, because this is his first time being a general manager. Yeah, so there are a couple of things in his press conference that I want to address really quickly, because we have a lot to get to today. Yep. Um, first of all, um, he addressed, you know, veterans like Huberto and Kadri, who have had off years, Markstrom, I'm sure, in particular, um, and he said best players essentially need to be the best players. 100% get that. He also emphasized the need for talent, which is something that I think Daryl Sutter was very hesitant uh, towards uh, during his time. Uh, the Jacob Pelche post-game blurb, I mean, that speaks for itself. Uh, Dustin Wolf basically um, getting 
multiple chances to flourish in the minors, but we didn't really see him in the majors up until, you know, the Flames were out of it, the final game of the season against the Sharks. That's when he got his only look of the year, pretty much. Um, and I would think, you know, guys like Connor Zari, guys like Jacob Pelche, guys like Dustin Wolf. Um, I'm sure there are other names, uh, Matthew Coronado as well. Over the course of the next couple of years, as you know, you're going to be making key decisions with pieces of your core. The youth movement is going to have to be very prominent within that lineup. And I think having a GM that emphasizes the youth movement was crucial in this process. So I think that's a, a plus one for Conroy there. The fact that he's been in this front office for 12 plus years, he pretty much, I don't know if he's seen it all, but he's seen a lot. And um, he definitely saw enough from last offseason that he isn't going to take any chances with players potentially walking away. So guys like Tyler Toffoli, guys like Mikhail Backlund, guys like Elias Lindholm, guys like Chris Tanev, um, if they want to come back, great. He's happy to do business and keep them aboard. But if there's hesitation, he's going to have to make some tough moves and, um, you know, obviously trade away some very popular players. And I... I kind of feel like I get a bit of Bill Guerin vibes to Craig Conroy. Yeah. I'm not sure why, but this this seems like a guy that isn't afraid to make the tough decisions for the betterment of the team. And ultimately, those tough decisions are are going to be coming throughout yeah. the course of the offseason. And it's not like the Flames need a gigantic overall. I definitely think if you just change a couple of things, yeah. um, but nothing major this team this past season as a playoff team like they only missed by a couple of points they had 17 overtime shootout losses which is an nhl record and multiple games in regulation that were you know like one goal games or essential one goal games that turned into two goal games that the other team scored an empty net so um i i don't think it's like defcon five for calgary they're they're going to be able to turn the page relatively quickly There'll be a playoff team next year, in my opinion, um, but a lot of that is going to hinge on what Conroy does next. Hmm. But at the very least, I feel confident that up top, the Flames are going to have what it takes. Now, as to who they bring in as head coach, whether it's Bruce Boudreaux or someone else, hmm. uh, just throwing up Boudreaux because I feel like he makes the most sense for them, okay. uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah, I think a lot of it will have to do on what head coach he brings in. I, I'm thinking, yeah, Boudreaux wouldn't be bad. It would be kind of funny, though, considering he uh, how um, the, the like, I guess the rough exit that Boudreaux had on the team that's nearby Calgary in Vancouver. But um, I, I would suspect maybe um I was just, he was just on my head. Um, oh, Gerard Gallant. I think maybe Gerard Gallant's going to be there. But yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think the Flames just, like, I think a lot of the season you can really amount to saying that it was, like, it was lost because of, um, of Daryl Sutter just losing the room and no one liking him. And you hear all these stories about, like, Jonathan Huberto saying, like, hey, um, like, he was, like his style, like Sutter just never liked Huberto's style of play, and um, and that whole press conference with Jacob Peltier, as we've mentioned many times now, the infamous press conference where he pretended to not know who Peltier was. 
But, um, but yeah, no, I, I do think that the Flames can definitely come back, um, and you can just kind of, like, take this season off as, like, okay, yeah, Huberto, we know he's pretty good, we know that Nazem Kadri's pretty good, we know, um, like, Elias Lindholm, I guess, he has to be paid pretty soon, but, um, you know, I, I think, and Jacob Markstrom has to be back to his potential, which is why I think Gallant makes the most sense, because Gallant kind of gives a goalie's edge uh, to whoever he coaches. Um, so so I, I do I do think that Gallant will probably be the one to do. But yeah, I guess it really does depend on what coach he hires, because if it's not Gallant, if it's not Boudreau, um, then, or if he brings up, like, the, the person from the Stockton Heat, then it's like, oh, okay, they're rebuilding and they're trying to get Dustin Wolf, Matt Coronado, and um, and Jacob Peltier, um, Connor Zary, um, into the system and, and trying to get them into the, the limelight and, and develop them more. But, but yeah. Or it might, could be a Bruce Cassidy or Mike Sullivan where, you know, well, he gets wait. The, guy, the best out of the young why would Cassidy? Bench. Why would Cassidy leave his job, even if they lose? Uh, no, but I'm saying what Boston did with Cassidy oh, after oh. Julian got fired. <laughs> I, I thought I, you meant I'm literally. Saying, like, you get the best oh, out of the new it. and the old. That, that, There's yeah. no way Cassidy's leaving Vegas after this year. There's no question. He's like, <laughs> well, he's, he's okay. there. Okay, got it. Because when you mentioned Mike Sullivan, I was thinking like, well, Mike Sullivan would have to lose his job, which I guess is possible because that's what the rumors are. But yeah, to be fair, <laughs> and then I was just like, Mike's oh, oh, oh I, wait, what? Cassidy? Have it. I wouldn't say it's a, I wouldn't say there's like a decent chance, but yeah, a I slight maybe. chance that Sullivan maybe in a couple of months could be yeah, available, yeah. depending on what Pittsburgh does. Well, well um, it, was, it was more that because you, you grouped Cassidy in with Sullivan, and that's why I got confused. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, oh, just, yeah. just staying previous examples where it works. Yeah, 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 exactly. Where you bring in the guy from the AHL, and he does I mean, wonders uh, at the Bru- big league level. Bruce Boudreaux did that, too, when he was in the Capitals. Um, yeah, exactly. So, so that's yeah, another it turned, turned out to be, yep. you know, a very serviceable NHL head coach he like a playoff track record in game sevens is what it is but he gets you to the yep. playoffs he's had solid regular seasons and he's a players coach in my opinion Boutreau yep. I think Calgary needs to lean towards a players coach yeah as, that's a good point as, as you take a look at Gallant I feel like he might maybe not be his up. message is gonna run stale after a while and I don't think that's what Calgary is looking for. Also, uh, they yeah, brought in maybe. Dave Nonis, who was a candidate for the GM position. Yeah, uh, they brought him in um, under a, a different role, so he goes in with Craig Conroy as well. Right, right, yeah, no, that that is a good point too about Glance like shelf life. But I don't know if you just want to like jumpstart your career because the the or jumpstart your franchise again because <laughs> you're. You're, the last season you had was um, rough. Then it's like, oh, okay, like Gallant will at least make get you into the playoffs. Um, I, I think yeah. there's also like a lot of balls in the air in yep. terms of like what Toronto does as well. Yep. And um, you know, there's probably assistant coaches out there <laughs> on the market too. So yep. now that they have a GM in place, I feel like Calgary can really get the work in progress mm. motion on their coach now that they know who their GM is and he probably has an idea of who probably fits the bill for the next coach. Sure. Um, and, you know, that that uh, pool of coaches could obviously change uh, depending on what Pittsburgh and Toronto do. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, 
Okay, um, <laughs> we did say that we were going to briefly talk about this, and we did not briefly talk about it, but, um, as we always do, but it's, it's all right. Um, so, yeah, there were, uh, of course, we'll talk about this more when the awards actually happen, but we thought we would at least talk about the awards, because it's kind of been a slow hockey news day, relatively speaking. Um, and yes, we'll, we'll get to the playoff updates in a little bit after this, but uh, we decided to just talk about who was nominated, if there was any like snubs um, in the way, and um, and of course, once the awards happen, we'll we'll devote a whole show to it as we always yeah. do. Yeah, so. and well, in particular, where where things yeah. uh, go in the ballots, because the ballots are where you get sure. the really juicy part. Like the, that one time, Tristan Jerry was voted for. Yep. It, like he got an MVP vote. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so uh, so the first things up, we're going with all the big ones. Like, I guess we could have talked about like the Mark Messier Award or the, um, I don't know. I, I guess that, that can be on the award the, show itself. The, the Lady Bing one. The there's a couple of ones that are not Ted Lindsay. I think we already know the Ted Lindsay. Um, and the what's the one where they. Um, well, we know that Art Ross and the Rocket Richard that both yeah. went to McDavid. The William Jennings. The, the William Jennings that went to the Bruins tandem. Um, yeah. The GM of the year. I think that's like starting like as soon as the conference finals ends, which I think is the stupidest thing Yeah, we have, thing we we have the three lists. Um, we have yeah. the three names there. Yeah. But that's it's so dumb to do it that way, but whatever. <laughs> um, anyways... Uh, all right, let's do the heart trophy here. Yeah, get, um, the, get the easy one out of the way. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, it's Connor McDavid um, as the heart trophy, and I, I think we can already announce that he's winning the heart. Um, David Pasternak, that's another easy one. He, uh, there were two 60-goal scorers, and, um, of course, both of them uh, were there. And, of course, the Bruins and the Oilers were the like the two best teams in the regular season. Um, so, um, and those two were a big part of those teams' success. Um, the third one was a little bit of a shock, but the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, I guess, I guess that makes sense. Um, Matthew Kachuk, we did mention this, uh, briefly uh, the other weeks ago, but a couple weeks ago, but, um, I think this does make sense because like I would probably would have had Jason Robertson, I think. Um, maybe you could make a case for Leon Dreisaitl, Nathan McKinnon as well. Um, but I think the thing for Matthew Kachuk is, is that like, cause the Hart Trophy is really for the team, like how good, if you took that player off your team, how good would that team be? Um, and like for Connor McDavid's sake, it's like, yeah, the Oilers would probably still make the playoffs with him without... McDavid and say you could say this you could definitely say the same for the Bruins without Pasternak just because you know Bergeron Marshawn are also very good McAvoy um but for the Panthers if you took out Matthew Kachuk from the Florida Panthers I don't think they're making the playoffs and yeah they barely just made the playoffs but I I think they had a good point where it's like like there was a point where the Florida Panthers almost were in the top 10, or the bottom 10, I should say, in the the draft lottery, and they didn't even have those picks. Um, there was, like, a point where you were thinking, like, oh, Florida's not making the playoffs. Um, and then, yeah, Matthew Kachuk basically willed them in to the playoffs, and, of course, he's 
he's like the star of the playoffs now. So uh, there's a decent chance that he could win the Conn Smythe. Um, oh yeah, I guess he's not winning the Hard Trophy, but <laughs> like at least it's nice that he's being recognized now for his playoff successes. But um, it's good that he got some recognition for his regular season performance as well because uh yeah he was very good too so i think this is going to help matthew kachuk street cred moving forward and i predict within the next three years he will win a hard trophy wow within the next three years okay it might seem like a stretch but i think it's doable okay i i do i believe it or not i've i've flipped 180 on matthew kachuk i think there's something to the fact that now that i have no dog in the fight during the playoffs i i kind of love matthew kachuk now um so i do like matthew kachuk i do like obviously i love uh david pasternak i don't think i i think i feel like Connor mcdavid's gonna like win the hard trophy for five years now um yeah, for he's gonna go on like a Gretzky yeah. run where like yeah. six, seven, eight years, exactly. like he, he's so, a slam dunk win. So I feel like yeah, obviously it's nice to be recognized, but I I feel like it's even crazy to even suggest that Matthew Kachuk's gonna win in a in a few years. <laughs> yeah, well, stranger things have have happened. I, I feel like the only um, the only player you might have a case for is is Connor Bedard, but um, in this yeah, true rain, but. <laughs> But uh, or maybe like uh, Nathan McKinnon, I think, but or Austin True. Matthews, but yeah, I, I feel like that's a little bit crazy to to say that. But you know, you never know. <laughs> I think I think what's what's the interesting part is whether or not McDavid is going to be voted the unanimous MVP, yep. as in he gets every single first place vote, right? Because you you look at some of the names that are available. Uh, for this award and yeah. you look at the amount of heart trophy league mvp candidate worthy seasons matthew kachuk of course david pasternak of course um have earned the rightful place on that list but look at friggin' jason robertson with yep. 109.6 in league scoring a lot of people were talking about him miko ranson in the season that he had yeah, uh, you look at uh, a guy like jack hughes for example yep. Um, Mitch Marner of the Maple Leafs is one of, you know, the best two-way forwards. Mm. Um, maybe he'll get the odd fifth-place vote or whatever, but um, I yep. mean, I don't think he's going to finish that high on the list. But well, I definitely did think get he's going to get vote. some consideration in the Toronto media. He did um, get a selkie. So, well, we'll get into it, but he did get uh, a selkie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah. did get selkie consideration for yeah. sure. Um, so I think when you look at the grand scheme of things, um, the biggest question mark for me is, will McDavid be unanimous league MVP? Yep. I think it's a foregone it's conclusion he's going to win. It's He's a slam dunk option for this award. Um, but how large is the separation? And did anyone vote uh, someone not named Connor McDavid yep. for as their first choice for MVP? And... Um, I believe Steve Coolius on the NHL Network uh, on Power Play, uh, the show that they have going on over there, and he said anyone who doesn't vote Connor McDavid as their first choice for MVP should be named on social media. Mm. <laughs> like, like, like we got to name yeah. drop names. Like, okay, fess up. Who did it? Who so, didn't vote Connor McDavid for MVP? So here's the um, thing. I'm. But, yeah. Okay. Like, yes, I agree that McDavid will win, but I'm going to take a contrarian 
stance because I just mentioned how it's like the MVP is really like if you took the player off of the team, you're, you know, like how you kind of like, like obviously you never really know, but like you have to like figure out, okay, how much value is that player to the team? Leon Dreisaitl had over 100 points. In fact, he got the second most points in the league. Um, yeah. Ryan Nugent Hopkins also had 100 points. Um, I I feel like there's going to be a... Like, I, I agree that I think McDavid's going to... It's going to run away with it. But I could definitely see someone picking like a Jason Robertson or a Matthew Kachuk ahead of Connor McDavid just because it's like, oh, well, he has Leon Dreisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, of course. Like, he had help, whereas, like, Kachuk or Robertson had no one. Um, I mean, obviously, I guess that's kind of, like, um, disparaging uh, Barkov and uh, Verhage and all those guys, and, like, Joe Pavelski, Rupe Hintz, and all those guys. But but I, I think there will, like, obviously, those the supporting cast are not as good as Dreisaitl and Ryan Nugent mm-hmm. Hopkins. So you could make a case that McDavid won't, won't, shouldn't get the hard trophy, but I, I imagine there will be one that will say um, that like, Oh, like, yeah, I, I felt like the hard trophy should go to the one who's most valuable to their team. And McDavid wasn't the most valuable to his team. So I'm also very curious uh, where Tage Thompson find, yep, that's uh, finds himself one. in the hard trophy ballot um, the season that he had. Yep. And you talk about his impact on the Sabres. Like he's, he's, as we've said before, he's changed the way we view the Buffalo Sabres, not sure. single-handedly, but no. he's been an integral part of how that team looks right now. Yeah, although he did have a slow second half of the year, but yeah, I yeah, that's another good one um, for sure. Yeah. Um, Okay, um, now we'll do the the Calder Trophy. This one was a little bit odd, and I think we kind of talked about this when it happened, but um, we'll go in more in depth here. But Matty Beniers, um, of course, he's probably going to win. I think we've we've met, we did our prediction pool, and so <laughs> Matty Beniers is going to win uh, pretty much. Uh, Stuart Skinner, he has a, he kind of came in late, but he was a good choice as well. And then lastly yeah. was a little bit of a shocker, um, but, uh, Owen Power. Um, and, uh, so, so Steve and I differed on who this third person is, and ultimately it doesn't matter because Matty Beniers is going to win. I think we both agree on that. And yeah. Stuart Skinner obviously deserves it as well because it's like, that was a big reason also why the Oilers made it to the, the um, to the playoffs or was a dominant team this year was just that, okay, they finally have a decent goaltender. It's just that Stuart Skinner kind of took on, took it on like halfway through basically. Um, but it was like pretty much because like Jack Campbell struggled throughout the whole year and then when Stuart Skinner was in charge, it was like, oh, okay, he's at least putting in a decent effort where the Oilers are going to score. It's like, yeah, the Oilers, like, he was giving up goals in Edmonton, but it's like, oh, what? like, he was decent at least. He was like the Chris Osgood of the Oilers, basically. Um, the reason why it's a little bit shocking uh, for Owen Power is, um, and I guess, I guess we should give him some credit first. Um, because Owen Power, uh, he did have 35 points in 79 games. Um, that's not bad for a defenseman, um, especially in a full year. 
Um, and especially since he played in 23 minutes and 48 seconds of ice time on average. Um, but, uh, so Steve thought it would be Jake Sanderson uh, because he kind of roughly had the same statistics as Owen Power. Um, it's just that um, he had just like a little bit more points than him and he was just a tiny, like a tiny bit better. So I don't, I don't hate that idea. Um, I was thinking that it should have been Wyatt Johnson as that uh, third spot. Um, yeah, fourth in scoring, look at him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he had 24 goals. Um, I believe that puts him second. I think that was more than Matty Beneers. I'll have to double-check on that. No, exactly the same as Matty Beneers. Uh, exactly the same as Matty Beneers. Yeah, and time for first. 41 points in 82 games, and he did this with 15 minutes of ice time on average. <laughs> and yeah. It's like... Uh, he he was hardly on the power play as well. It's just like, yeah. like yeah, Matty Beniers deserves it and and he'll win it. But because um, like he was the top line center and a big reason why Seattle even made the playoffs. But like the fact that like why Johnson like was able to have like half a point per game um, while with like on the third line um, is incredible. Um, for a rookie, and he's like 19 years old. Um, so, so I, I would have given it to Wyatt Johnson as the third guy. I guess it's ultimately like we could argue about who the the third guy should be with Matty Kachuk um, as well, but um, for the Hart Trophy. But because um, ultimately it doesn't matter, Matty Beniers deserves it. But at the same time, it's like I don't know. I feel like Wyatt Johnson deserves um, recognition. Um, on, on his own but yeah that's just how it goes yeah i'll happily give him a shout out for sure yeah. and uh, you look at uh, a lot of um you you look at a lot of the talent that's on on this here there are mm-hmm. going to be a lot of massive nhl stars on the rise you look at kaylin addison jonathan bergren cole yep. perfetti who was limited to just 51 games yep jj paterka another Young, promising Matthias, Buffalo Sabre, Jack Quinn as well. Matthias Maselli, I think that's the... Yeah, the, he's the second one. in scoring and yeah. on a bad Coyotes team at 49 yeah. points in 61 games. Um, yeah, pretty pretty good season. And he only took 61 shots and he even scored 11 times. So his shooting percentage was was also pretty mm. good. So I'm interested to see where he lands in the building. The reason I said Jake Sanderson over Owen, Owen Power is because Jake Sanderson led the entire Ottawa Senators roster in shorthanded minutes as a rookie. And it was, like, ridiculous. It was, like, well in in the 200-minute range. Over, you know, a scenario where they had Artem Zub lost to injury, you had Nikita Zaitsev on there for however many months until he was traded out of town, to save up room for Jacob Chikrin, who was only there for a couple of weeks before an injury took him out. Thomas Shabbat down the stretch was also injured. So you didn't really, and Travis Hamnick uh, down the stretch was injured as well. So you didn't really have the consistent blue line that you were hoping for if you're an Ottawa Senators fan. And Jake Sanderson was thrown into the fire, basically, and um, he blossomed uh, from opening night to... Uh, the final day of the regular season, like 
he he showed his maturity in spades and he put forth roughly the same amount of production as Owen Power. The reason why I can see why they gave it to Owen Power is because Jake Sanderson, um, taking a look at his stats, got 17 power play points and Owen Power only had eight on the season. Uh, so the fact that Owen Power did more at even strength um, and also given the fact that uh, Owen Power's ice time average was a couple minutes ahead of Jake Sanderson, I think almost exactly two minutes higher per game than Sanderson, I can see why they gave it to Owen Power in that respect, uh, even though he was on a team that had Rasmus Dallin on it and he was also catching fire. Um, so I felt that Sanderson was on the cusp of, like, third place. Uh, it, it wouldn't shock me if the ballot comes out and he's, like, fourth or fifth on this list. Right. Um, but I, I just wanted to give him praise there. But I can see why they gave it to Owen Power. In terms of Stuart Skinner, I think he's a great name on this list because yep. Jack Campbell lost his spot in, what, November, December? Basically. The Oilers were struggling to win yep. games and... While it, it it definitely had um, you know some bad spots in between, um, who knows where this Oilers team is without Stuart Skinner's play? And then uh, Maddie Beneers, I think we b- both can agree he uh, wins this award. But uh, I'm interested to see how close the voting is going to be because there are a lot of good names uh, on this list that are going to be taking the league by notice. Yeah, no, that's a that's a fair point. I guess. Um... Yeah, we'll see. Also, like, Logan Thompson, he does deserve yep. some uh, recognition, but, of course, like, we know why he's he's not on here because uh, he, uh, he was injured in, like, a December or something like that, or maybe January. But, uh, but yeah, he was very good. It was, like, between Beneers and Thompson for a little bit because, like, Logan Thompson was the starter from the get-go um, in Vegas, but uh, until he got injured, so... Uh, we'll also see. wanted to give a, a shout out to another Arizona rookie, Jack McBain. Oh yeah. Um, he didn't have any power play points this time was around like uh, almost exactly 14 minutes a game, 304 hits for a yeah. rookie. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He was very good. Or yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a young kid on the rise for them. He seemed to, um, he seemed to really take off towards the end offensively, but yeah, I, I was yeah. expecting a little bit more offense and I think we'll get it, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of crit 300, for, 300 hits for a rookie is, is not bad. Um, my, my fantasy hockey team, uh, love that for sure. Um, I also have Maddie Beneers on that team too. So it's, it was, it was nice. Um, Okay, uh, now we go to the Norris Trophy here. This one's, I, I think this one's one where, like, because I feel like all these ones, it's like, oh, we kind of know the winners already. But um, but for the Norris, it's like, yeah, you could probably say it's Eric Carlson. It's probably going to him. But, like, at the same time, like, the ho- the knock on Eric Carlson, and it has been for a long, long time, is that, He's basically your fourth forward on the ice um, because he never plays defense, and even though he is a defenseman, he never plays it. So, um, so that makes it tough to really do it like that. But, uh, but of course, he he did get a hundred points, um, and he was the first blue liner to ex- eclipse a hundred points in a single year since Brian Leach in nineteen ninety one ninety two. 
Um, but he was also on the ice for a league worst 96 goals against at a five on five uh, clip. So that's not good. Um, you know how much I hate plus minus, but that stands out <laughs> when uh, uh, when it's that bad. Um, so so there is a chance that Eric Carlson will win it. I wouldn't be shocked just because of like the ability to get 100 points um, in a season. But I also think it will probably go to Adam Fox um, uh, just because he because um, he does offense and it also defense. Um, and then Kel McCarr was the third nominee here. Um, but um, but this one was a little bit odd because Kel McCarr didn't play in a full season. So I, f- I feel like that was just like giving him the award just for pure recognition or whatever. Um, I, I feel like this is a little bit selfish, but uh, or, uh, I'm being a homer here, but I would, I would also shout out Hampus Lindholm here. Um, you could probably make a case for Charlie McAvoy too, but because Charlie McAvoy missed the first two months of the season, he's kind of out. But Hampus Lindholm, like once, uh, well, first off, he was very, very good when McAvoy was out. And then, um, and then even when McAvoy was in, Hampus Lindholm was incredible too. So uh, I probably would have, I probably would have given the third shot to Hampus Lindholm. Um, Rasmus Dahlin is another one who I think basically um, helped the Sabres reach another level this year where they were no longer made fun of anymore because they, they have Rasmus Dahlin who's, who's pretty good. So um, I think, I think it, should have been Darlene or Lindholm, but, you know, I guess you can't really go wrong with Kilmacar, but I feel like you should, it should be more, like, if Kilmacar played more games, I think, then he would deserve it, but you have a good defenseman already in Rasmus Darlene and Hamas Lindholm, so, I don't know. Yeah, um... The San Jose Sharks scored 233 goals this entire season. And Eric Carlson was playing a role in some way in 101 of them. So the fact that he's responsible for roughly half of the team's offense, like, sure, his defensive numbers were bad. Everyone's defensive numbers in San Jose were bad. Like, find find me a decent defensive player on San Jose. Like, they were trash this year. Um, And given the fact that he was able to turn back the clock a little bit at age 32 or 33 and not only put up 101 points, but play a full 82 games, something that we haven't seen Eric Carlson do since basically his entire time at the Sharks. Um, So I think he's going to get enough votes to win. But I do think the voting is going to be very, very close. As you mentioned, Adam Fox, as you mentioned, Kill McCarr. As you mentioned, Rasmus Dahlin, who didn't get nominated, he had 73 points. Mm. Miro Heiskanen had 73 yep, points in 79 one. games, didn't get nominated. Vince Dunn, 64 points, yep, wasn't one. nominated. Mikhail Sergachev, 64 points, wasn't nominated either. Um, and then you also take a look at uh, the likes of Josh Morrissey, who people were calling at the beginning of the year Josh Morrissey. He uh, had the second most points for a defenseman, tied with Quinn Hughes with 76, and uh, and was roughly a point-a-game player. He played in 78 games as well. 
by far and away the heartbeat of that Winnipeg blue line, by the way. And, you know, when you consider the spotty, inconsistent play from the team as a whole, I mean, you look at Josh Morrissey and Connor Hellebuck as basically the faces of the Jets' defense. Uh, then you also have guys like Dougie Hamilton, who just picked up 74 points and really flew under the radar the entire time. And uh, also interested to see how many votes Brandon Montour gets because, uh, of course, his stellar season in Florida, 73 points in 80 games, got to love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Heiskanen and Morrissey are also good options as well. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, we'll, we'll see. I think it's, it's between Carlson and Fox, but, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think Carlson just ekes it out. Only just. Yeah. But he'll win. I do want to take credit for the fact that I called Carlson would, would be very good. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. You get every single point of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. We now go to the Bruins show because I think these uh, next three are <laughs> basically the Bruins have them in the bag. Um, Vezina, um, I did mention that the Jennings was awarded to the Bruins, but the Vezina, you have um, Linus Olmark. Um, of course, and then you have um, Connor Hellebuck and Ilya Sororkin. Um, yeah, Sororkin definitely kind of uh, deserves it. Uh, of course, Connor Hellebuck does too. He's probably like using this as trade bait because uh, he wants out of Winnipeg. He's probably the people's choice for this award. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, you could make it. I, I guess I. It, I feel like, um, yeah, you can make a case for maybe not voting Olmark just because Swayman basically started half of those games. But on the other hand, like a lot of like teams do that, do it that way. Um, so, uh, there's that. Um, and, um, and yeah, he had, he led, he had the best save percentage at 938 and he led the league in wins as well. So, um, so yeah, even with um, without the Swayman's help, it's like okay, he got <laughs> the most wins as well, and he also led the league in goals against average. Um, Sorokin was an, was another good choice. He led the league in shutouts. Um, he also had a nine twenty four save percentage, pretty good on a on a like a Islanders team that was struggling for a lot of the year. So it's like impressive that he was able to have good stats even without that. Um, and yeah, Connor Hellebuck does deserve it too. I may have gone with Philip Gustafson, um, just because Gustafson was also like leading, like second in save percentage, second in GAA. Um, but I think what killed him was the fact that, uh, he really got going in the second half and hardly played in the first half. Um, but I, I would have given him his recognition just cause like, he was pretty good, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I guess you could like, you know, Hellebuck was also pretty good too. Um, of course, like he was a big reason why they even made the postseason in the first place. And he had a nine twenty save percentage, which is fourth among goalies, uh, with who have played 30 games. Uh, but, um, and he also had 64 starts. I feel like he's the only goalie that plays like, like a ton now, maybe uh, Vasilevsky too, but, uh, but yeah, no, Hellebuck does deserve it, but I, I thought, um, you could make a case that Gustafson deserves some recognition here. 
I think it'll definitely give him street cred for future yep. considerations. If he continues to play at this level, he'll definitely get Vesna yep. votes moving forward. Yeah. Um, I think he'll probably be near the bottom of the list if he appears at all this year. I just think the sample size is a bit too small. But in terms of meaningful contributions to the team, uh, 100% get where you're coming from there. Yep. Um, also, Alex Gurgiev of 40 wins quietly uh, with yep. the Colorado Avalanche. Jake Ettinger, what he's done in Dallas. Can't forget Igor Shashurkin, 37 wins. Uh, Vasilevsky, of course. Um, UC Saros, if Nashville makes the playoffs, I'm really interested to see how uh, they vote here. Uh, but, um, I mean, he was on another level at 919 save percentage, over 2,000 shots faced. It, it was incredible how well he played this year, even though the record doesn't indicate it. Uh, Ilya Sorokin uh, 100% deserves his place on the list as well. Um, and and there are a lot of other underrated performances uh, as well. Even a guy like uh, Ilya Samsonov, uh, who had a career year with uh, the Maple Leafs too, that, uh, mm. that can't be discounted either. Um, it, but I do think the numbers don't deny it. Lena Solmark is going to win this award. Mm. Uh, even though I do want it to be hella buck because the Bruins have guys like Lindholm and McAvoy and yeah. Carlo on the back end. You also had Orlov in the mix uh, too. Um, Connor Hellebuck, like like we've documented with the Winnipeg Jets yeah. and the inconsistencies that could almost plague a team, and he somehow still was able to get them to the playoffs and. Even for a little bit, uh, put the fear of God in Vegas too. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah I I think the, from a numbers perspective, Hellebuck should win. But obviously, from the sexy stats, uh, Olmark probably is is going to get the majority of the votes here. Um, the one guy I I want to give credit to uh, because no one else will. Um, it's my he tried his best award and it's john gibson Mm. to face the second most shots in the league this year on a team that gave up the most shots out of any team in recorded nhl history and to almost post a save percentage of 900 while almost posting a gaa of four and have like um a two to one record in terms of losses to wins um, that I cannot underestimate. I cannot begin to explain how impressive that is. And John Gibson tried uh, his team failed a lot, yeah. but boy, he tried to make them the very best that he could. Well, the, uh, so I just wanted yeah. to shout out Gibson for his efforts. Well, the year. crazy thing is, is that, I mean, I don't know how true this is, but there were like reports last season that he wanted out of Anaheim and then he quickly refuted it. So he willingly stayed in Anaheim, even though he knew yeah. he, uh, yeah, well, if yeah. more seasons like this, maybe, yeah. maybe he'll bring it up again. Potentially. Yeah. But, uh, it was, it was just interesting that like he willingly stayed there, but yeah, no, I, I guess from that sense, it's like, yeah, I, I, like, yeah, it is impressive. But on the other hand, it's like, like what, like, it's not impressive. <laughs> but, uh, but I know what you mean. Um, all right, let's go to the Jack Adams Award. Uh, Jim Montgomery, Lindy Ruff, and Dave Hackstall are the guys. Um, of course, this is going to Jim Montgomery because usually this goes to like, I mean, I guess. 
Montgomery does fit the bill here, but um, it usually goes to the coach who, um, like, it usually goes to a new coach um, who, like, improved the team the most. The Bruins did make the playoffs last year, um, but, like, a lot of people did kind of count them out, um, including Steve. I, I, I at least have him in the wild card. Um, so yeah. there was that, um, and, you know, he had to deal with the fact that McAvoy was going to miss a significant amount of time. Marshawn was going to miss a significant amount of time. He didn't know his yeah. centers until, like, two weeks before the regular season um, with Bergeron and Krejci. Um, I'm sure you probably would have been able to make it work, but, of course, the team wouldn't have been as good uh, without Bergeron and Krejci. But uh, there's that. Uh, and then, yeah. And, of course, you have, like, incredible seasons from Olmark, Pampas Lindholm. Even, like, guys like Pavel Zaka, Jake DeBrus takes another step. Um, and, you know, of course, you have, like, Ber- uh, Pasternak, who's always good. You have Marshawn, who's always good. Uh and then McAvoy, and, and then you bring in, like, Orloff, and, he, and Orloff turned into a defenseman because the way that uh, Washington was using Orloff, he was more of a shutdown defenseman. But instead, mm-hmm. they made Orloff, when he was on the Bruins, as a, like, a two-way guy, basically, who would shoot more often and sometimes score. Um, and so, uh, so you, yeah, he was able to, like, bring out a lot of... Um, good play out of guys that um that like other teams didn't do like Hampus Lindholm is the perfect example of that uh because there was like you know just like Orloff the Ducks didn't really use Hampus Lindholm in that way um and um and then Hampus Lindholm almost sudden you're thinking like oh wait a second Hampus Lindholm he uh he can shoot and he can score and he can pass and he can do all this stuff like he's not just the guy a shutdown defenseman um and uh yeah he was he was able to bring him out Pavel Zaka was another one who was like on the devils he was okay um but uh but yeah Pavel Zaka was incredible so uh a lot of credit goes to Jim Montgomery of course I hate this because I know that the Jack there's that Jack Adams curse and this means that Montgomery is probably gonna lose his job next year, but at the same time, I'm, you know, I think Jim. I'll forever be grateful for Jim Montgomery, uh, whatever the future holds, because uh, because of this regular season that the Bruins had. Um, Lindy Ruff uh, deserves credit as well because you know we had talked about the Devils before with how they um, they just needed the goaltender. Um, but they were a good team and, and stay healthy. And those two things happened. Um, there was a point though, like r- early on in the regular season where the fans wanted a uh, Lindy Ruff out. Like they shouted like fire Ruff in the stadium. Yeah, fire Lindy was the yeah, chant. Fire yeah. Linda. Like right. second home game basically. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and there was a potential that, um, which is which is kind of funny, and then like almost like the next game, the Devils went on this huge winning streak, um, and it was yeah whatever. I think you could maybe make a case that um, uh, Andrew Burnett, who's a part of the Devils coaching team, like that's a big reason why the Devils were so um, good this year. But um, you can also make the case that they were healthy for the most part, 
Um, I know that Jack Hughes missed a couple of games, and I, I think Nico Heischer missed a few games, but for the most part, they were healthy, which is a big diff, which is a key for the Devils and their successes. Those guys need to be healthy. Um, and then you have Dougie Hamilton, who also gets injured every now and then, but uh, he was able to stay healthy as well. So, um, so yeah, it was it was um, it was good for that part um, as well. Um, and then, yeah, Dave Haxtell is the last nominee here. Um, and th- this was another one where you were thinking, like, yeah, they weren't a good team last year, but you were thinking, like, okay, maybe if they they get good goaltending, goal they'll they'll figure it out. And what's what's funny though is the Kraken didn't get good goaltending. <laughs> like Grubauer was not good. Martin Jones was okay, but. Uh, they got better compared yeah, to last year because last year was so bad, but, but yeah, yeah. it still wasn't great. It still wasn't great. But what's what's funny is is that I, I will say anyone that can make Martin Jones into an average goalie deserves <laughs> a, nom- a recognition. Martin, Jones, Martin yeah. Jones had 27 wins this yeah, year. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. So uh, so I'll, I'll give him credit for that. Also, he kind of unlocked something with Vince Dunn. Um, and Jared McCann, uh, Yanni Gord, Matty Beneers, as we've talked about before. Um, there was like, you know, I, I think we talked about this when the Kraken were in the playoffs. It's like, it doesn't even matter if it's like Beneers who scores. It doesn't matter if it's McCann. It doesn't matter if it's Yanni yep. Gord. It doesn't matter if it's Bjorkstrand. It doesn't matter if it's Burakovsky or whoever. It's like, pretty much there's nine guys that can score at all points. Um, and even like then... There's like a, a Daniel Sprong on the fourth line. So, um, and Daniel Sprong had like 20 goals on the fourth line, which is crazy. So, um, so yeah, uh, uh, Dave Axel does deserve some credit. I might have given a nomination for uh, Pete DeBoer in Dallas. I think Bruce Cassidy deserves credit um, in Vegas, um, but. I, I, I don't think you can go wrong with these three choices either. Yeah, I th- I think based on the resume, uh, Dave Haxtell is probably going to win based on the fact that Seattle did so bad last year and I mm-hmm. feel that they may be overachieved with the roster that they had. Like, consider this. We talked about how good McDavid and Drysdale yeah. and the Oilers' power play was. We talked about the Bruins being the best regular season team uh, that the NHL has ever seen in its centuries list of hockey teams. And then we also look at a team like the Buffalo Sabres with the run-and-gun offense that they had. Those are the only three teams who scored more goals than the Seattle Kraken. And the Seattle Kraken have a, uh, like a bottom 10 penalty kill a bottom 10 power play in the league if not hovering around average in both categories neither really improved compared to last year Uh, they were just very very good five on five and like you said they don't really have these established you know oh yeah this guy's their top player they don't have any of that but they have a collective unit that's able to get results and Hackstall deserves a lot of praise for that um, and it was no surprise that he was on this list. And to me, he should win. Uh, but I do think Montgomery is probably going okay. to win just because of the fact, as you mentioned, with the injuries and all the questions surrounding the Bruins, 
uh, a big coaching change as well, getting used to a new coach yeah, that's true, uh, to get this type of result um, and do it on a nightly basis as well. Um, yeah, Jim Montgomery 100% deserves this award, but yeah. all three candidates deserve to be here because of the work that they did. Well, if it's to avoid um, getting that Jack Adams curse on <laughs> um, on the Bruins, it, it, I'm the all for... The winner is totally going to get hit yeah, by it, too. Just watch. I, I'm all for Hackstall getting this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you, you might... <laughs> I, I, I guess I could see it, but I, I feel like the fact that the Bruins did overcome so much adversity already with with all the injuries and like no one expected the Bruins to do well, even their diehard friends, fans, um, I said friends, um, that I, I yeah I feel like um, I feel like you have to give it to them. What's interesting though is like the Jack Adams usually goes, it's usually like the three most. Um, like three new coaches, um, but or like you know three new um, like coaches that were just hired that season. Um, but Hackstall was on. Uh, this is Hackstall's second year with the Kraken, and this is uh, Lindy Ruff's second year with the Devils. So um, it might actually be his third year. But uh, so so that is also interesting too. But I. I might have given it to Bruce Cassidy as well, but I yeah I think Montgomery and Axel, um, and Lindy Ruff all deserve credit as well. So I'm not like dying on that hill either. Yeah. Um, because like you could say the same for the Vegas Golden Knights. Like yeah, of course they they finally get all their guys to be healthy, but at the same time, um, Mark Stone missed half the season. Uh, Robin Leonard was out for the entire season. Logan Thompson was out for half the year. And then... Bersois was injured. Bersois was injured. And the Vegas Golden Knights still managed to be the best team, win their division. Um, so And, and, and yeah. the conference, too. They won the and, West And their conference, well. yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I feel like Bruce Cassidy's probably like, all right, well, I didn't win the Jack Adams, but I, I might be going to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, I think he'll take that any day, but um, but yeah, I, I feel like I, I have to stick up for my guy Bruce Cassidy as well. Um, all right, uh, then lastly we'll go with uh, the Selkie here. Um, it's Patrice Bergeron, Mitch Marner, and Nico Huescher. Um, I uh, so Bergeron. I guess he, if it's funny whenever I'm like I'm reading this blurb from Yahoo Sports when I've been announcing these award nominations here and it's it's crazy because so i'll just read the first two paragraphs here bergeron is the gold standard of, for all two-way forwards and he may have posted his single best all-around campaign of his career at 37 while the bruins soared above the rest of the league in the regular season among forwards with at least 800 minutes of five on five ice time bergeron was on the ice for an nhl low 18 goals against at even strength this season despite having the 10th most defensive zone starts. He also had an NHL best 61.1 faceoff percentage while taking the second most draws and played a key role on the Bruins league's best penalty kill. I feel like they say this every year that like Bergeron had his best season yet from a Selkie perspective and it's just like and then I'm reading this out I'm like holy shit like <laughs> that that is really good and I watched all these games it's just like 
he was incredible. But uh, yeah, so this is Bergeron's 12th nomination, um, and he's won the NHL record five times, with the sixth likely being added to his trophy case this summer. Um, it was a little bit sh- like he sure makes some sense. He's he's good in the faceoff dot as well. Um, and, um, yeah, he's very good defensively as well, uh, even if you discount the face-offs. Um, I'm a little bit surprised about Marner, to be honest, just because it's like usually these awards go to the centers uh, because of that face-off dynamic. Um, and, but, uh, yeah, Marner's very good, too, on, on um, you know, the giveaway-takeaway ratio. ratio. Um, and, um, and yeah, he was on the penalty kill as well. So, um, so I, I think there's something to that as well, but, um, but yeah, it's kind of surprising that Marner, who's more of a winger, um, compared to Heischer and Bergeron, but I, I imagine Heischer is going to get his Selkie one day, um, and maybe Marner will eventually as well, but, um, but yeah, Bergeron deserves this as well, and they will I mean, we joke about this, but they might literally name it the Bergeron Award um, right after this, um, right after he he wins it. Yeah, another off-season topic for us: yeah. what uh, awards we would name based on current NHLers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I I would love to see Bergeron get one last Selkie. Yep. But I've also said the same thing uh, the past couple of years because I felt that was his last year. Yeah. Uh, so this year, I'm kind of hoping Marner gets it. Not uh-huh. gonna lie. Um, if you take well, this a look is someone, at the amount, so so you want Marner gone from the from the Toronto Maple Leafs because you don't think that he's good. Uh, or Listen, he's good in the playoffs. I, I want the best for my boy Mitch Marner. He's probably my favorite Maple yeah, but on you, the roster. You criticized but... me the other day, uh, or when we were doing the obituary, because you wanted, because you asked me if you thought if I thought that Marner was a part of the, like of a championship winning team, and of course Marner is. <laughs> he's like he's on a selkie. He's like he got selkie nominations. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. I I did say that, um, <laughs> but I it's it, it's just the the whole thing with the Maple Leafs is like based on the structure. Like, yeah. how much value can you get? The pieces you need. Fair, yeah. Who, it, it who depend, I guess it does depend on value. that. Was my main argument. It does but, depend on the return. That's fair. But, but. I, I would say uh, if Marner wasn't on the lease and it helped out my sense, that would also be great. Anyway. <laughs> um, Taking a look at the amount of shorthanded minutes played by Fords, uh, Colton Sissons leads the league with 233 minutes, 57 seconds. Might as well be 234 minutes. Uh, David Camp of the Leafs is second. Uh, then it goes to Jacob Silverberg, Charlie Coyle. Uh, you go down a couple of spots, then you find Logan Couture, captain of the Sharks. Then a couple of spots later, you go to Jordan Stahl, who's in the top 10, 190 minutes, 42 seconds for him. Then you go to Elias Lindholm, who's 12th, 183 minutes, 56 seconds. And in 13th place amongst Fords in shorthanded minutes, with almost 183 minutes on the nose, is Mitch Marner. Again, we talk about how the Selkie always goes to the two-way center. And Mitch Marner is not a center. He is a two-way winger. Hmm. But he is a guy who takes pride on the penalty kill. And uh, you usually see 
the guys like Philip Deneau be playing shorthanded minutes of this magnitude? When you're one of your best offensive players, if not the best offensive player, is your best defensive player, you have what it takes to start winning. And the better that Mitch Marner gets in the two-way game, the better off the Maple Leafs or whichever team he plays on are going to be. And I think Mitch Marner has earned his right to win the Selkie this year just based on the point totals um, that he cemented. He just he was a couple shy of 100 points this year. But the way he was able to commit himself to the two-way game as well, that's not easy to do over the course of an 82-game season. And Mitch Marner played in 80 of 82. So um, I, I think all things considered, I don't know what else you could ask Mitch Marner to do. He's done basically everything yeah. you could ask. And just based on the point totals on top of the defensive numbers, um, I would make the argument that while it is close, uh, Mitch Marner could edge out Bergeron for this year's award. Just saying it's possible. Um, okay. But I, I think either Marner or Bergeron wins. Really? I, I okay. can't really pick. I'll give slight edge to Marner, but... Oh. It wouldn't shock me if Bergeron wins. I, I feel like if it's not Bergeron, I think it's definitely Nico Heischer. Um, but, mm, okay. Um, we'll see. But, yeah, I, I, I think it's definitely Bergeron. But I might just be wearing Homer glasses. <laughs> we'll he's, Although, uh, he's 23rd, to yeah. be fair. Nico Heischer's 23rd in yeah. shorthand minutes played just under 170 yeah. minutes there. So he's yeah. he's on Marner's tail in that regard. So, and, yeah, you can make an argument for him, too. And what I read read to you about Bergeron, um, where he had like 18 goals against that even strength. Um, so, um, so yeah, I, I think there, that is pretty nuts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, so I think, uh, there, like there's that I, as you know, I don't love, uh, the plus minus, but when, when there's a stat like that, it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, like those are the underlying stats. Yeah. Like you don't really appreciate, yep. you know, the true greatness of a player until you really see those stats for yourself. Yeah, like yeah, that yeah. goes beyond goals, assists and points. Like yep. those stats are works of art. And yeah, exactly. I, I bet, I bet you dollars to donuts that Bergeron doesn't even keep track of those stats. Probably not. He, no. he, he, he just plays the game the right way yeah. and, Whatever happens, well, what, happens. What's, what's crazy is is that I I have a sense that Bergeron is probably going to retire, <laughs> which which yeah. is crazy because he's he's still like incredible. So it's just I don't know. Um. But uh, anyways, uh, we'll do the Carolina Hurricanes obituary because that happened, um, the last time. I think we had yeah. kind of been, whenever we were doing these predictions and previews, uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes. A series, we kept on like thinking like, okay, well they don't have Sushnikov, they don't have Pacioretty, um, and like all they really have now is like Sebastian Ajo, and yeah, of course they're a good team. They you know they won their division, a very tough division at that, uh, but um, and they had more points than the Toronto Maple Leafs. They had the most points. Um, I think they had the second most points overall, um, not just in the Eastern Conference, but. Um, but yeah, so it's just like, oh, well, like now it's like, it's just tough to see them go far without Sveshnikov. Um, so, um, so yeah, they, they did their best and, you know, I was impressed that they were able to go that far. I think, I feel like I predicted against them in each series, <laughs> which is just funny, but, um, but yeah, they, they, uh, 
I think they'll be decent um, come, moving forward, and we should also shout out that Matthew Kachuk just kept on getting game-winning goals um, all the time. Um, he was yeah, a little, every single one yeah. of those games, by the way, was by one goal. Yep. So it could some, have easily been a sweep some, the other way around. Somewhere in the overtimes and all that stuff, but Matthew Kachuk is unreal. Um, yeah. You know, it kind of like, you know, obviously I'm still disappointed in the Bruins and um, – um, and they should have gone farther, but it it does make me feel a little bit better that it's like oh the Bruins weren't the only team franchise to be um, killed by Matthew Kachuk and his mouth guard. So, um, anyways, um, in terms of their their future here, um, they do have Jesse Jesse Puliuarvi as an RFA. They have Dylan Coughlin and Maxime Lejoie. Um, as RFAs, um, they have UFAs of Jesper Fast, Mc- Mackenzie McCurkin, uh, Jordan Stahl, Paul Stasny, and Derek Stepan. Um, and then um, on the defensive side of things, you have uh, Calvin DeHaan, Shane Gosespierre. Um, and then um, in terms of goals, tending, you have Freddie Anderson, Auntie Ranta, and Zach Sachenko as UFAs. Um, also, Jake Gardner, who I didn't even realize is a U.S. like was still in the league, but yeah, he's yeah, it, due to injuries, he was yeah. basically just dead cap. He yeah, was yeah. just chilling on LTIR. Other guys I forgot they had was Andre Cache, who's a UFA as well, um, and then Max Pacioretty um, is a UFA yeah. as well. Um, but um, but yeah, I think they'll they're still in decent shape. Um, I, I guess they, they are, according to Cap Friendly, they are below the cap, so they could afford to re-sign Freddie Anderson. I don't know if they do it because of that injury concern. Um, and From what I hear, both Ranta and Anderson want to be back next year. Whether okay. or not that happens, especially with the Kochkov right. uh, team-friendly extension that they handed out earlier this year right. remains to be seen, but both goalies want to be back. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I feel like they will probably sign Freddie Anderson, but I, yeah, I feel like because of Kochikov, they're probably not going to sign both Anderson and Ranta. Um, so so I, I feel like they might sign Freddie Anderson. But on the other hand, it's like, of all the goaltenders that are available in free agency now, um, I, I, I feel like uh, Freddie Anderson is the best goaltender by a long mile um, who are possible free agents. So, um, so he could get a he could get a lot um, in free agency um, if he if he decides to go that route. But if what you're saying is true, then it looks like he'll probably be back in Carolina. So, yeah, they're not they're not in bad shape next year, um, depending on if they do sign Freddie Anderson. But even if they don't, it's like oh, they have Coach Goff, who's um, who's pretty good. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. But maybe they try to get a, another. Um, forward for um, uh, so it's not just Sebastian Aho and Sveshnikov. Um, and um, yeah, I guess it, the experiment failed with Max Pacioretty. Of course, they couldn't, um, like you know, you can't predict injuries yeah, and all in, that stuff. Injuries happen, what can you but, do? Exactly, they so, didn't give up much of anything to get them in the first place, true, true. But it's it's also definitely um, something that's like it's uh, going to be a what if um, for for the next couple of years with with Carolina. But um, yeah. 
but yeah, so I do wonder if they go out and get a forward. Um, that is, if they sign Freddie Anderson, because I they could definitely afford uh, Freddie Anderson and then sign someone else as well. But um, so they could do it. But it's um, but yeah, we'll see. Taking a look at the scoring leaderboard in terms of playoff performers, uh, the highest on Carolina's list is Sebastian Ajo with 12 points in 15 games. That's 18th in the league in these playoffs, which um, I would expect the leading score to be a bit higher in that regard. And in in the doubles series, it was fine. Um, and in Carolina's first round series, you know, against a tough defensively sound Islanders team they were able to get the big goals when it mattered um, but it dried up against Florida um, maybe it was a combination of Florida's poor check and back check maybe it was Sergei Bobrovsky maybe it was just pure dumb luck but um, Carolina's offense just wasn't there in the conference finals and uh, or wasn't there enough often because, like I said, all four games decided by a goal. It could have been four nothing Carolina. It could have been a two two series going back to Carolina for game five. And at that point, who knows what happens in a best of three? Mm. Um, so it was it was just the way things went, and they couldn't get the big goal when it mattered. And I definitely think the injuries to Pacioretty, um, their um, it, that injury to Sveshnikov as well uh, down the stretch. Um, it, in this series, it finally caught up with them. Um, the good news for Carolina, well, the bad news for Carolina is they got a lot of big decisions to make. But the good news for Carolina is they have options. They have a lot yeah. of leeway to decide what happens. Their um, longest tenured forward right now, outside of Sveshnikov, is Jesperi Kakadiemi, who uh, has a $4.82 million cap it until the end of 2029-2030, which is a long way away from now. Uh, Tavo Teravainen is a UFA after next season. Sebastian Ajo, same thing. Jordan Martinuk, same thing. Um, you look at a guy like Marty Natchez, he's an arbitration-eligible RFA at the end of next year. He's making $3 million a year currently. Uh, Seth Jarvis uh, entering uh, the end of his entry-level deal after next season. Same with Jack Drury as well. Um, you look at uh, guys like Brady Shea, Brett Pesce, mm. and Jalen Chatfield. All are UFAs after next season. The season after that, Jacob Slavin and Brent Burns are also UFAs. Um, so there are a lot of roster decisions between now and the next couple of summers that the Hurricanes are going to have to make. Not all of them are going to be easy. A lot of them are going to be very, very hard. And right now, their captain, Jordan Stahl, is going to need, like you said, a new contract. Whether or not they bring him in is, is well, that remains to be seen. But with the trade market, as I said, Brett, with the trade market and how spicy it's going to be this offseason, the free agency class is very underwhelming compared to next year's and compared to previous years. And you look at the price tag of an offer sheet uh, with the cap not going up, not really moving the needle, maybe like a million, million and a half is what we're looking at. That's not really going to incentivize teams to offer sheet people as strong as this RFA group is. So 
the way that Carolina and all the other teams are going to have to improve their rosters is on the trading market. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of players on expiring contracts after next season. Guys like Jake Gensel, guys like Tyler Toffoli, guys like Elias Lindholm. If Alex Dabrinkit doesn't sign long-term and he just signs a one-year deal and takes his talents to free agency next year, maybe add him to the list as well. Um, there are probably other notable names. Oh, yeah, Austin Matthews, another one. Uh, yeah. William Nylander, there's another one. Um, Brandon Montour, Sam Reinhardt on Florida currently. Um, and then, of course, um, maybe the future captain of the Carolina Hurricanes, Sebastian Ajo. He needs a new contract after next year. So when I'm looking at Carolina, you have a lot of guys on short-term uh, packs at the moment in the final stages of their deals. You can afford, you know, to maybe make a few blockbuster trades to significantly improve your roster because uh, you have the cap management to do it and you also have the leftover term to make those moves and other teams to be willing to take on those players. Um, and when you consider that, again, the Metro division is going to remain just as yeah. tough as it did last year. And uh, moving forward, I don't expect things to change. Um, Carolina can't really afford to lose any big name players like Sebastian Ajo. So they're probably going to have to make uh, uh, some big splashes on the trade market to uh, at least uh, remain on pace. Uh, maybe a guy like Connor Hellebuck or John Gibson mm. is trade bait, and maybe that's a guy that they target. Maybe they go out and they don't keep Freddie Anderson, but maybe they go out and get Simeon Barlamov on a one-year deal. I feel like yeah. he could be a maybe. perfect short-term yeah, goaltending option for the Hurricanes. I don't know. I feel uh, like that's a downgrade. <laughs> yeah, maybe a slight downgrade, but I think Barley's still got some hockey left in him. Anyway, uh, but... That leads, I, I me think, to, yeah. that, that, yeah, that leads me to my number one point, and that is extend Sebastian Ajo and extend him ASAP. The very first option you get to do it, mm. you didn't extend Sebastian Ajo. The Montreal Canadiens offer sheeted him, and you had to match or let him walk. If you really are committed to the process and you want to make a statement to the organization and you look at the promising trends that they have made – the conference finals appearance in 2019, the conference finals appearance this year, the division championships that they've accumulated over the past couple of years. Um, why ruin a good thing? You've got to extend this guy, especially when you consider that if you lose this guy, it's going to be tough to get a player yeah. like him back elsewhere. It's like, oh, well, Austin Matthews is on the market. Yeah, well, he's probably going to cost more than Sebastian Ajo. A lot of teams are going to be salivating over Sebastian Ajo yep. if he hits the open market. So don't put your fate into someone else's hands. Get him extended and get him extended this summer. I didn't realize that he's 25 years old, so he hasn't even like yep. reached his prime yet, which is just crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think the thing, I guess you do have a point. I mean, the thing is, is according to Cat Friendly, is they haven't even reached the the, uh, the floor. Um, so they will have to make some moves um, grant, uh, because of that. And what's funny is, is, like, I'm looking at the other teams that have to, haven't reached the floor either. 
Um, it's the Coyotes, the Red Wings, the Devils, the Ducks, and the Blackhawks. So besides the Devils and the Hurricanes, uh, the other four teams I mentioned are very, very bad. Um, so, like, they have some moves to work with, but I guess you do have a point that you probably should re-sign Sebastian Ajo before you do anything else. Um, but but that is kind of a cool thing for the Hurricanes. It's like they were able to get this far on a cheap, on a on a pretty cheap team. So in in that case, you can afford to to make some more moves. Although I'm not sure they're in a better position to make moves than the Leafs are right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of teams are, but um, are pretty much like thirty thirty teams are, and the other the team that that is. Even worse off than the Leafs are the Oilers, but um, but yeah, I don't actually know. Maybe this has uh, something to do with like if once they uh, may activate uh, Sveshnikov, maybe they'll reach yeah. the floor. But even still, like uh, okay, yeah, they still I guess, have a lot of cap to work with. Even yeah, at yeah. that rate, right, right, because they so I guess they're two million uh, from the floor. So yeah, and and Sveshnikov makes seven million. So they they that's yeah. still. That's not bad. So, like, they have uh, roughly, let's see if I can do quick math, my favorite thing to do on this show, uh, $66 million, That would put them, yeah, okay. That puts them right where the Sabres and the Senators are. So, um, and the, so they have a lot to, to move with as well. But, um, yeah, so... So yeah, maybe maybe they do go out and get someone. Um, but yeah, I guess you you do have a good point about like making sure that Sebastian Ajo is still around because all these moves like they can go out and get like a I don't know like a Vlad Tarasenko. Um, I'm trying to think of like the best free agent forward out there. Um, I don't even know if it's Tarasenko. Um, maybe Patrick Kane. Um, but um, but yeah, they can go out with whoever they want on the free agent market, but if they, um, but it, it's kind of meaningless if they, if Sebastian Ajo is not there. Um, so, yeah. Um, and I also take it back that the, the best goaltending free agent out there is probably, um, Jonas Corposalo. Um, maybe you could make a case for Aiden Hill, um, as well. Um, that's uh, oh Tristan Jari is probably the the best one um, out there, but um, but yeah I, I guess there's also that like injury concern with Freddie Anderson too that um, might make Carolina not want yeah to do, I think Carolina that. probably more often than not is likely going with a short term option in that it's whether they either keep Freddie or Ranta yeah. they uh, trade for a guy like Hellebuck who has a year left on True. his deal. Or um, they go out and they sign one of those other free agent goalies to like a one year deal or something. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that that's also possible too, I guess. Um, yeah. Um. Okay. Um. I'm trying to think if there's other things to talk about. I guess not really. Um. On this mark. Uh. But uh. Let's go to the the only hockey series that's going on right now. Um, and that's the uh, Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, there was yeah. kind of um, it seemed like Vegas was about to sweep, um, just like the um, the Florida Panthers were to the Carolina Hurricanes. 
But um, but first off, uh, like especially because Jamie Ben, their captain, the Dallas Stars captain, uh, decided to be dumb, um, and he also made an even dumber comment, basically saying that it wasn't his fault that um, like his stick was in the way of I, I forget the the player that he was talking about, but he was he basically didn't take any blame for for what happened. Um, and it was very clear that uh, if he hadn't, I feel like if he hadn't said that, he probably would have just gotten a game. But because he he didn't seem apologetic at all, it was well, like the, well. The funny you know, thing is about what Jamie Ben said is the fact that um, well, he's a captain, uh, but yes. Well, a he's the captain, and b he didn't talk to the media after the game. He uh, talked to the media the next day. He was MIA. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. That's a good point, and, too. And, and after, you know, putting your team behind the eight ball, five in a game, yeah. um, like, if, if Dallas loses this series, it's all Jamie Ben's fault. Right, right, like, right. Like, well, he, he was not out in the early stages of, of game three. Vegas scores a power play goal. It, by the end of the eight-minute mark, it's 3 nothing Vegas. Jake Ettinger's out of the net. Uh, yeah. And Dallas is essentially down three games to none after that. Mm-hmm. And all of that maybe could have been avoided if Jamie Benn was responsible, stayed on the ice, and helped his team. Instead, he hurt his team, and he wasn't there to face the music afterwards. Inexcusable. Yep. Well, and then he comes out the next day with that. Like, yeah. no. No. Yeah, it is kind of crazy, too, as well. It's like, yeah, if he, if he wasn't the captain, it wouldn't be cool either. But, like, just the fact that he is the captain, that's, like... That's the guy that the stars said, like, hey, everyone in our organization, like, that's the guy that we want everyone to be like. <laughs> and Jamie Ben's yeah. like, all right, never mind. I, I'm curious I don't how that. long he's going to be the captain for after that. Yeah. I, I wonder if they have second thoughts. Oh, well, I don't know. Because, like, you do say that, like, he basically lost in the series. But did he? Because, like, the stars did win <laughs> the two games that Ben left for. Um because I, I guess I should get into it now, but uh, so game four, uh, the stars don't have Jamie Ben, uh, but um, yeah, it turns into a uh, Joe Pavelski. He comes in um, as well. Uh, so William Carlson scores in the first, as well as Jason Robertson. It looks like he woke up. Uh, he had his fifth goal in this. Um, and then in the second period, it was more of the same, where the Vegas scored, thanks to Jonathan Marcheseau. Um, and then yeah. Jason Robertson again. Uh, he scores his sixth goal in the playoffs. There was no goals in the third period. And then Joe Pavelski scores in overtime three minutes in. Um, so, so yeah, that, 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 this was kind of reminiscent of um, little, when uh, Joe Pavelski was returned um, in... Um, uh, I think in the last series, um, and um, and like he scores those four goals, and that was exactly what the stars needed. So when they don't have Jamie Ben, uh, their guy, um, yeah, Joe Pavelski steps up, and ultimately he is kind of their captain. It's like it's it's basically reminds me of when um, when Chara was the captain of the Bruins, but everyone knew that it was Bergeron's team, um, and he's the real captain of the team. So it's like. It's it's basically Joe Pavelski's team, but uh, but since Jamie Ben has been there longer, it's like oh, it's 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 uh, it's it's uh, Jamie Ben is the basic captain, but it's really without Joe Pavelski, I don't think the Stars would have gone this far. 
Um, also, not the first time that Joe Pavelski has taken over the captaincy yep. of the team. And not saying that he would here, oh, no, but no. Um, it happened in San Jose where he oh, wasn't yeah. the captain right. and they became the captain because they stripped the captaincy off of someone else. So. That's true. That's true. I don't know if that happens though, um, just because I feel like Joe Pavelski. This might be Joe Pavelski's last year, but um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, I mean, maybe they give it to Jason Robertson or Rupe Hints because uh, they've been there long enough, and that's. Um, I think I think he, if if you strip the captaincy off of Jamie Ben, and this will be a conversation for another time, yeah. uh, for more in depth. Um, I think you give it to Joe Pavelski. You have maybe Robertson Miro. and Hence and Miro lean Miro's off of Pavelski one, yeah. for like a year or two, and then out of that, you see who emerges as the future leader yeah, of this yeah. team. I don't know, but I feel like Joe Pavelski might retire as well. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, he's under contract for another year. So. Oh, right. That's right. I thought he had, this was his last year, or like he, they kept on doing one-year deals yeah. with him. But okay. The way he plays, if he's if he's still mentally and physically up for it, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he might not be done for yeah. know, even beyond next year. He might have a lot of hockey left. Yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, so then we get to game five. Um, Ivan Barbashev gets the scoring going um, in the first period. Then Luke Glendening, so basically two fourth liners score. Um, then in the second period, you have Chandler Stevenson and Jason Robertson, uh, who ties it up. So Jason Robertson, he's getting going. Watch out, um, the biggest goal of the night's here. Um, and then in the third period, uh, Ty Delandria. I guess he's like this. This kind of is reminiscent of um, when the Stars were in the bubble in their run where Joel Kivaranta um, had, like, four goals in the playoffs, and you never heard of him again. Um, I mean, Ty Delandria had a decent regular season, if I remember correctly. I don't have his stats on me, but I believe he had a decent uh, regular season. Uh, but, yeah, he gets he gets a goal at 10.35 in the third period, and then he gets another goal with 12 minutes left. Um, so... Um, it was actually kind of funny, so I, I have to come forward here. I um, I hate how this game is going on at the same time as the Celtics and Heat game. And it's <laughs> it's pretty much going the same way as well, where like you think it's going to be a sweep, but then the other team starts, the green team starts waking up, and, and then it's, they're not as easy of an out as we once thought they were. But, so... I was watching the, the basketball game um, on the main TV, and I was watching the hockey on my iPad on my lap. So I saw that, like, oh, Ty Delandria scored, and I, like, wasn't really paying attention, but I, like, I was noticing, like, oh, okay, so now it's 3-2. And then I just continued to watch the basketball, and then I look back on my iPad a few minutes later, and I'm like, wait, Ty Delandria, is this a replay? Like, he just scored like a couple minutes ago, and I was just like, "Oh, Ty Delandria basically scored," and it looked like the same goal too. So I thought they were just showing replays, and I missed the fourth goal. But it was just funny. I was just like, "Wait a second, wait, Ty Delandria? The oh, this is four two now. It's not three two anymore." Because um, I yeah, thought they were the, just the, the one uh, young uh, young guy that's part of their youth yeah. moment that uh, we don't talk about as often as Wyatt Johnson, but. Yep. Again, uh, you know, former first-round pick, a lot of hype to him, and yeah. 
uh, another guy that's scoring big goals and big moments for him. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and what's crazy about the Stars is that, yes, they have, like, obviously Jason Robertson's very good, Rupe Hans is very good, and we just talked about Joe Pavelski. Even, like, Jamie Benn, when he's not an idiot, uh, he's good. Tyler Sagan has his moments as well. But, well, and Stankoven, when he turns pro, he's well, yeah. going to be right up there, too. Well, that's what I'm saying is, is that they have a pretty good, like, farm team now um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Logan Stankoven is one Maverick Bork's another one uh, yeah. RTM Martino is one um, I mean Thomas Harley has played a little bit here in these playoffs he's been good um, as well and yeah Ty Delandria he was a first round pick a few years ago as well so um, yeah so like watch out pretty soon like the stars are going to be pretty scary not just Wyatt Johnston and um and like Jason Robertson, who are still pretty young, but um, and Rupert Hints, but like yeah, Zinkovin's gonna it's a real deal. Why Johnson's a real deal, um, and and so is like Artem Martino um, and and a few other guys. So yeah, they're gonna be a good team, um, even if they don't win the Stanley Cup this year. Um, so. Do you think the Stars are going to pull a 2004 Red Sox and win Game 6 and Game 7? Or do you think that Vegas just is too good and uh, they they won't lose four straight? I will give Dallas the benefit of the doubt. In fact, I think Jamie Benn is going to score a hat trick in his return. <laughs> wow. And they are going to force seven. Okay. But they're, they're not going to take it in seven. Okay. I mean, I... I, I think Dallas is definitely capable of putting up a very strong yep. fight, and they're not going to go down quietly. But if you if you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, I mean, they're going to have last change if they mm-hmm. go back home for Game Seven. Um, Jack Eichel is, yep. you know, playing like He's we all expected him to. Mark, Mark Stone, Stone yep. has been playing good, and you know, Jay Shady Carlson is good. Alex, but yeah, Wild Bill. Uh, Jonathan Marcheseau yep. has been catching fire too, um, and like you look at guys like Theodore and Petrangelo on the back end, they've been yep. relatively quiet, but they can turn it on any second too. So, I, I just think a lot is going against Dallas, and I think you know that extra loss that Dallas got in Game Three is going to be their downfall. So, okay. um, I think they're going to force it to seven, but they're not going to win in seven. Okay, interesting. Um, but I'll be happy if I'm wrong, though. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like... Because it's, it's weird, because I do want the Stars to win, but, like, so that's what my heart wants, but my brain's like, I mean, come on, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Vegas, like, the Stars, are the, are the Stars that good that they can win four in a row with that much pressure? It's like, I don't know if they can actually do that. So, I would like... I would like Vegas to advance simply because, similar to 2018, yep. you're going to have two teams squaring off that have never won the cup in yep. their history. That'll be fun. And one of them is guaranteed to break that streak. And That'll be cool. Win. Yeah, yeah. No, that will be cool. I guess, like, yeah, I, I don't really hate Vegas as much as, like, the rest of the fan, like the NHL fan base does. But maybe that has to do with the fact that I, like, Bruce Cassidy, Jack Eichel has Massachusetts roots. Um, and yeah, there's some likable players on that team. And I, I have the same birthday as Jack Eichel as well. Not only were we oh, both born in Massachusetts, but we have the same birthday. So, um, And Bruce Cassidy I like as well. But, um, 
But yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like the stars could pull this off. I, I'm starting to believe. Um, so we'll see. Um, I mean, if you look at uh, yeah. the Philly uh, Flyers in 2010, they went to the finals. And yep. their comeback against Boston started with an overtime winner. And yep. Dallas's comeback did. also started with an overtime winner. So yeah, could um, happen. I guess, I guess That's fair. no one really knows uh, the full script and, until you I, know, they, the, the games play out themselves. I tend to, I tend to block out that series. <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, I I just I just remember like you could end it in four. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, we'll see. Um. But um, I was thinking um that I I guess well we should probably because we did the same thing when it was Dallas and Seattle, um, and we didn't know who was going to win. But I imagine even if the Stars win Game Six, um, Game Seven is going to be this week as well so uh by the time we record next there may be the stanley cup finals are probably going to happen so we should probably do a prediction in either case um so vegas is so if it's vegas florida um i would feel bad for a buffalo sabers uh fan because you have sam reinhardt on one end um <laughs> of course you i don't think they regret that trade um at all but um, but there's that, and then um, and then Jack Eichel on the other hand, um, where that was an ugly divorce, um, of course. Um, but um, but yeah, the, it will just be interesting. Like the two second overall picks from in back to back years, both drafted by Buffalo, that'll probably be the story. Um, but uh, I guess it was. It's also would be the Jonathan Marchessault series, the Riley Smith series, the Gerard Gallant series. Even though he's not the coach anymore of, of either team. Uh, but uh, so so there's that. Um, and then I guess if it's Dallas and Florida, I'm not really sure if there is like a link there just yet. I'm sure I can think of it um, given my Dallas Stars history. But, um, oh, Tim Thomas, Tim Thomas, there's one. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, there's, uh, um, so yeah, if it's Dallas and Florida, who do you have? And if it's Vegas, Florida, who do you have? I, in the Jonathan Marcheseau series between Florida and Vegas, yep. I, uh, sorry, Florida. Um, I just remembered how the Habs miracle run ended in 2021 and how the run mm -hmm. ended in 2020 for Dallas. And, uh, oh, there was probably a, another run somewhere in between. Oh yeah. Florida in 96 when they got swept by Colorado. And then I realized that we can't have nice, happy endings. So, uh, I'm going to say Vegas in six, if, uh, they face Florida and, uh, I'm going to say, <coughs> I'm going to say um, if Dallas faces Florida, I'm actually going to say it goes seven, but I'm still going against Florida. I'm going to pick Dallas. Um, I, I think I, I think um, there is such a thing as rest, but there's also such a thing as rust. And, I mean, you look at whoever comes out of this battle-tested series between Vegas and Dallas, um, I think they're going to be a finely tuned machine and they're going to be ready to go. So, mm. um and and I also I also think um, well actually no no actually 
I'm going to say Florida in seven. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to say okay. Florida in seven if they face Dallas. Because I think in the coaching battle, Maurice is going to outsmart yeah, DeBoer. Yeah, you might be right. Um, but if it's Vegas, Florida, I'm going to say Vegas in six. Um, okay. Because I think Cassidy can adapt just as well as Maurice can. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's my official prediction. Fair. Okay. It's tough because I, I feel like I've looked like the whole reason why I've picked Florida against Toronto and against Carolina was because I saw how good Florida was against the Bruins and I was like, okay, yeah, the Florida, Florida's a good team. It's like back to what they were um, in 20, um, you know, last season, um, except Mm -hmm. now they have Matthew Kachuk um, and Matthew Kachuk is on another level right now. Um, So... There's that. The only thing that I feel like could stop the Florida Panthers is that Sergei Bobrovsky turns into a pumpkin like he yep. has in the regular season. Um, and how, no matter how much Matthew Kachuk gets into the other play- team's skin, um, it might not matter if the pucks are going the other way because uh, Matthew Kachuk is not a goalie. <laughs> um, so... The Dallas Stars also have some annoying pests. If they that's, go up against Dallas, you got Max Domi and Jamie Benn. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. not a good time. But, like, we said that with the Bruins. Like, the Bruins had Marshawn. They had True. Trent Frederick. They had Tyler Bertuzzi and Garnett Hathaway. That did not True. stop Matthew Kachuk from doing his stuff. Um, so, you know what? Okay. I think, I think it's, I guess I'll go with, because I think if there is some, like, maybe there's some psychology that if, like, the Stars can pull this um, comeback out, like, there is probably some momentum that they can carry over to the next series. Um, so I think it will be, Dallas will win in seven if it's Florida, Dallas, Florida. Mm. But if, like, I feel like there's something going on with Vegas right now, they're just, like... Um, so even if they win tomorrow or if they win in game seven, if there is one, um, I don't know. I feel like there, there is still that like doubt that's going to come into their head of like, wait, we, we almost lost to the Dallas stars. Like we, we just don't have it this year. Um, so I think I'll go with Florida and seven if it's Vegas. Um, Mm. but I mean, ultimately I will, I'm, I do like Bruce Cassidy. I do like Tyler Sagan. I do like the Stars. I do like the Vegas Golden Knights. I, I will root for the Western Conference team um, against the Florida Panthers, but I don't know. Florida Panthers are a good team. I've, I've learned my lesson, so um, I don't want to count them out either. Agreed. Um, all right. Um, in... I guess that's the uh, that's it for us here. It's a, kind of a short episode, given the recent episodes, but that's okay. Um, you can oh, happy Memorial Day when you're listening to this um, for all you Americans yes. out there. Um, is there a can there's Memorial Day isn't a thing in Canada, is it or? Um, well, we have Remembrance Day on November 11th. Oh, okay. Um, well, that's I Veterans think Day we have here a, like, in America. Any, we don't have a Memorial Day in, in May. Okay. Well, that's Veterans Day, which we also celebrate here, too. Right, yes. Uh, but, um, okay, interesting. Anyways, 
Um, in uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Uh, you can also listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, wherever else you get your podcasts. If you haven't subscribed already, I don't know why you would listen to this much and not be subscribed to us, but uh, but please do if you haven't. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. Enjoy the Stanley Cup Finals, and we'll be back to react to it all, episode 367 of the Lace Up Podcast.